Well, thank you, worship team. And thank you all for joining us and, and coming an hour early. I was saying to my wife last night, I'm like, it's, it's time change, but at this point in my life, I don't even notice it because my phone just automatically changes and wakes me up an hour earlier and I don't even notice until I go downstairs and my clock's like, it's 6 a.m. or it's 5 a.m. actually this morning. I was like, no, it's 6. Great. Love time change. Hopefully that'll be a thing of the past, but anyways. Um, <laughs> well, good morning, church, and welcome to our Vision Sunday and AGM. Um, now, if, if you are newer to the church and you've never been a part of one of these Sundays, this is something we like to do once a year, and really the focus is to take some time and look back at what God did and look forward to where God is leading us next. So this morning, I, I, I've got a number of things to share, but I want to start us off by looking at what God did in 2022. And afterwards, we'll start to look forward to new vision, new values, things that will determine the course of the church over the coming years. And we'll start to look forward to, to a, the plan and the specifics that God is calling us to do over the next five years. But, but before we get to those things, I want to give us a quick recap of 2022. Now, if you've been in the church this past year, I, I think it would be fair of us to say that 2022 really was a year of transition and change. So, you know, 2022, um, we said farewell to our last lead pastor, Martin Trench. Um, we said farewell to him in, in April of last year, and I'm really pleased to say that he and his family, they have settled in well in, in the UK. They, they're, Martin's pastoring a church called Cross Point Church. They're doing well. God is doing amazing things in and through their lives over there in the UK. But as is normal and typical in any organization when a beloved leader leaves, it meant a season of change. And in that season, like, we had a number of staffing changes. Uh, I got the opportunity, the board gave me the opportunity to step into the role of lead pastor. Before Martin left, the board also voted to bring my wife on as our communications director. Uh, we had a number of staff step up and take over different ministries, like Kat, she oversees our kids, but she also now oversees our groups because she stepped up and took o that over. Spencer, who he was overseeing our youth, now he oversees youth and prayer and young adults to an extent, and, and, and we said farewell to Dan. But we also had a number, or two staff in particular, step up, and, and we had the opportunity to promote them. Um, first off was Joy. She served as our hospitality for two years now. Um, but now, she going forward, she'll be serving as our associate pastor on our executive team. Um, Role isn't really shifting, still looking after hospitality, but also looking after our operations and our finances and all of those fun things that happen, like keeping the lights on and the building paid and making sure that there is a building because it's, you know, that, that kind of fun stuff. 
Um, but we also had uh, Erica step up as well, and, and she, she served as our worship director. She's still going to be our worship director, but we also invited her onto our executive team to not over, only oversee worship, but also to oversee the, the overall uh, vision and atmosphere of our services and our events so that our focus can be on what God is doing. But, you know... <laughs> I've said this a million times, we are blessed with a fantastic staff team, um, and God, God is doing amazing things, but, but you know, with, with all this change, what's been really, really cool for me to see is how even in the midst of transition and change, God has been doing incredible things in this church. And we'll watch a video in a moment that shares some stats and highlights and things and uh, a fun way uh, for those of you who are like me and are a bit of a statistics nerd. Um, but some of my favorite things, favorite stats from this past year are, are, are as follows. Um, in 2022, we had 59 individuals indicate that they gave their lives to Jesus. It's very exciting. Come on. That's 59 people who, who had never made a profession of faith, had never decided to follow Jesus, that made that decision through this church last year. And we also had 31 people get baptized and publicly declare, yeah, I believe in Jesus. <laughs> through 2022, I can't put a number on this because it's really hard to quantify, but, but we had a number of people get healed and delivered as well. And specifically, I know of stories of people with back pain that was healed, knee pain that was healed, one lady who had physical pain in her heart that was caused by a mental issue that God healed her. We had cancer healed in this place. Like God did amazing things. People were delivered from addiction, from demonic oppression. There was a lot of things going on in this church, and, and a lot of people here as well heard God's voice, some of them for the first time in their lives. So God moved powerfully, and our word for the year last year was deeper. It was this idea of going deeper in our faith, and we saw people jump into that and go deeper, make commitments to faith, recommit their lives to Jesus, start to serve, start to give, start to, to go deeper and, and, and build a personal relationship with God. And, and one of my favorite statistics from last year, because this is a number that's just going to continue to go up, is that in 2022, we gave away $18,000 worth of money and goods to support our community and missions abroad. And, and these are just some highlights. I mean, I could probably pull each staff member onto stage and have them share a report about their ministry specific. Um, we're not going to do that because we would be here forever. But, but God was doing something incredible in this church last year. Even with all the transition, even with all the change, God did something incredible in our midst. And this is only the start of where he's leading us next. So uh, let's turn our attention to the screen and we're gonna watch a quick video sharing some of the stats and highlights from 2022.
morning, church. What are you calling us as a church to do in church. Specifically, we, we asked ourselves, what is true about our church? What matters most to our church? And, and even more importantly, where is God leading us next? What is the mission, the vision that God has given us of what we are to accomplish in this city and in the world? And so throughout the past like six, seven months, we, we've been going through this process of, uh, of prayer and fasting and seeking God's will and his word for this church. And, and in the fall, we did a vision casting night and we invited the church to come out. We had about 40 people come out and, and prayerfully seek God's will for his church. And what was really cool throughout all of that was the fact that the values and the vision that God put on our hearts are actually the same values and vision that were in place when this church was founded by Dwayne Peterson in 1990. And they're the same values and vision that was in place when Martin led the church from 2009 till 2022. The wording shifted a little bit, but God is consistent. And he's still leading this church. It's really cool because um, Joy, uh, a while back, she, she was doing a course on Alliance history, and she had to write this paper on the history of our church. And, and I had the opportunity to read that paper because I was like, I don't really know fully the history of the church, um, just being honest. But the church, this church was founded in 1990 to be a place that loved God and loved people. That was the founding principle, that people would come together in community to love God and love one another, that they would grow in their faith, they would encounter God, they would meet Jesus, and as they were equipped with the power of God, they would go out and share the love of God with the people around them. And in fact, the name Gateway reflects this reality. See, originally, uh, when, when the Alliance District Office was planning on putting a church here, they told Dwayne, like, oh, we've got a great name for your church. And he's like, what is it? Northeast Alliance Church, Edmonton Alliance Church. And he's like, no, we are not doing that. And they came up with the name Gateway, first because Edmonton is the gateway to the north, but second, it comes out of John 10, 9, where, where Jesus says, I am the gate. 
Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. That through gateway, we would bring Jesus, we would reveal Jesus to people, and people would meet Jesus. They would come in and find rest and find peace, and they would go out and share the love of Jesus with others. And so, through our process of discernment and prayer, we, we, set, we came to the realization that there really are three core things that define who we are as a church and have defined who we are since 1990. And those are that we are welcoming. We strive to create a loving and compassionate environment where all are valued and supported. What that means really simply is it doesn't matter who comes into this building, we want to welcome them. We want to be welcoming. And that's a word we've heard a lot from people is that gateway feels like home. And that is part of the culture. We want to welcome people into our home. Secondly, our second core value is that we are empowering. We seek to empower people to be transformed into the person God created them to be and to discover their God-given calling for the benefit of others. We empower people. We want people to be empowered with the power of God to change their lives and the lives of those around them. And third, and probably most important, we are spirit-led. Following the Holy Spirit is the heart of our ministry, daily lives, and work. In everything we do, we are welcoming we are empowering, and we are spirit-led. This is the outflow. This is the outcome that we want to see from all of our services, all of our ministries, all of our groups, that people would be welcome, that people would be empowered, and people would encounter God's spirit, that in everything we do, the, we will be defined by these three things. Now, this is great because these are core values and these determine what the church is about and who we are as a church. But over, you know, the past year, I've had numerous people come to me and be like, okay, so you're the new lead pastor. You've been in the role for a week. What's your vision? <laughs> like, give me a year. Um, and I'm excited to share, actually. Because uh, through our vision night, we were really trying to seek God and say, God, where are you leading us? What do you have for us? What is the vision that you have for this church? Because this church isn't my church. It isn't your church. It is God's church. We don't want to be doing something that God hasn't told us to do. And so we, we asked God, and we went through a long time of prayer and discernment. And, and, and honestly, at one point, it was, we knew what the vision was. We just couldn't figure out the phrase that would make it catchy and, and easy to remember. Um, but throughout this process, God revealed to us that as a church, our vision is that we exist to be a gateway for transformation and encounter. We exist to be a gateway for transformation and encounter. Transformation meaning that we don't want people to come here and just learn nothing and not grow and just go on with their daily lives without 
ever being transformed. But 2 Corinthians 3 tells us that the Holy Spirit is working in us to transform us into the image of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, we are a new creation. See, everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. That the work of God in our heart is that he is working within us to transform us and make us more like Jesus. It's a process that starts at salvation and ends at death. That God would work in our lives. That people would be transformed. And secondly, we'd be a gateway for transformation and encounter. Because you can't be transformed without an encounter with God. We don't want to be a church that gathers a crowd of people who sit, listen to worship, clap a little bit, hear a message, and then go home without ever being changed. But we want to be a space where people can encounter God, where people will be prayed for, where people will be healed, where people will be delivered, where people will be set free, where through an encounter with God, lives will be changed, not because of us, but because of what God is doing in our midst. So we exist to be a gateway for transformation and encounter. And the long form of this vision is that we exist to be gateway transformation and encounter, partnering with God as he transforms lives, renews minds, heals bodies, and works through people to change our city and the world. See, this is who we are. This is what this church is about. This is what we will accomplish. We are welcoming, we are empowering, and we are spirit-led. That is who we are. But what we do is that we will bring people into encounters with the transformative presence of God. That through this church, lives will be changed because God met people here. So now I want to share a video. This is a testimony of, of one of our members and group leaders here in the church as he just shares a little bit of his story and what God has done in his life over the past many years. So let's watch this. My name is Colton Smith. I'm a group leader here at Gateway Alliance. I've been attending the church since 2019 but just recently got involved I was born in a small town in British Columbia and was raised in a Christian family as a kid I've always known and had a personal relationship with God but haven't always led a Christian life I was exposed to um, pornography at a young age and also experienced a uh, lot of traumatic experiences growing up, including being sexually abused at six and um, a fatal car accident. Um, I always grew up feeling different and alone and never really fit in we moved around a lot and didn't always have the best group of friends by the age 14 I began experimenting with drugs and alcohol by high school I was 
very addicted to marijuana and very dependent on it. After I finished high school, I began to realize that my life was out of control and I sought an escape. I was led by God to move to a smaller town in BC where I previously lived and was able to escape the addictions for a few years. I was in a committed relationship and with a girl that I went to school with and eventually we got engaged. We went to church regularly and grew in our faith. But as time went on, the undealt issues of my past began to tear me apart and eventually destroyed our relationship. And then ended up moving back to my hometown and fell deep into a depression until one day alone in a basement I hit rock bottom and I phoned a friend who him and his wife graciously accepted me into their house and I was able to break free from the party life and the, the drugs and alcohol. After a few years, I decided to return to my trade and go back to school and finish my apprenticeship. Through that time, by some random act of God, was reacquainted with my best friend, my biggest supporter, the love of my life. We came together as broken people and have overcome many challenges. Working through those issues and discovering the deep roots and causes has brought me to a place of peace and happiness that I've never known before. My road to recovery has been the most difficult but the most rewarding thing that I've ever achieved in my life. I have been the one in 99 and after years of running, God has sought me out. And now God has called me to show you that God loves you as he loves me and that you are worth the fight. Come on. You know what's crazy with a story like that is if we had the time and the money, we could probably show a testimony like that on a weekly basis. And what I love about this story is it's not even just what God did in his life through Gateway. It's what God did in his life. Because this is a story of who God is. That he is a transformative God. That through encounters with him, lives are changed. And so I'm really excited going forward that God is going to continue to do things just like that in this church and in the lives of people through this church. Now, it, as great as it is to have a vision and have a values that determine who we are as a church and what we do, what's also really important is that we know the steps going forward of where God is leading us next. And so through, through that vision casting night we had last fall, God revealed to us our values that we've talked about. He revealed to us our, our vision, which we've talked about. But he also revealed a number of things and 
or things specifically that he is calling us to accomplish over the next five years. And so I want to present to you right now our, our five-year Build and Believe campaign. <laughs> to share specifically the things God is calling us to accomplish. And so there's three things specifically that God wants us to do over the next five years. One is God is calling us, his church, to be debt-free, to be generous, and to build. That over the next five years, we will be debt-free, we will be generous, and we will build. Now I want to dig into these a little bit, okay? Just bear with me. I want, we'll start with the fun one, debt. Um, so you know, we are blessed as a church to have this beautiful building on this beautiful piece of land with, with amenities such as a paved parking lot. You have no idea how much that parking lot costs to pave. It is ridiculous the cost of things uh, to accomplish things, but... But we have this property and this church because of the donations of people in the early 2000s and because of decisions the church made back then that, that to borrow money to fund what God was doing. And that was great because throughout that season, God did amazing things in and through this church. But there was a point in time where the founding pastor, he left because God called him on elsewhere. And a period of time before Martin came on in 2009, where the church actually went into a season of just struggle. Can't define it any better than that. Than it, it, they struggled to pay debts, to pay bills, to pay things. And during that season, our, our denomination, the district office of the Alliance in Canada, uh, they gave us a number of loans to help keep the church afloat. First off, in 2006, they gave us a $600,000 operating loan. I don't know exactly what the money was for or what it went to, but it was to keep the church from shutting down. And praise God they did. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a job and you wouldn't be sitting here right now. Um, but then in 2007, they gave us another loan of $1.6 million to pay off a mortgage that we owed to the bank that we were very close on defaulting on. And so there's these two massive loans that we then owed to district. And over the years, a number of random things came up. Like in 2014, we borrowed another $150,000 to pave the parking lot. That was, I think, half the cost of what the parking lot actually cost, um, but, but we had to borrow money because we're a nonprofit organization. We don't have millions of dollars just sitting around in the bank waiting for us to do things with it. Um, and then in 2019, we had to spend $120,000 on this LED wall. Now, if you're like, oh my goodness, what a waste of money, we were spending twenty dollars to $30,000 on fixing our projection system that was failing in the years before that, so kind of balancing act and hopefully we won't we haven't spent a dime on this since then but um but that's another loan and and then again in 2019 2020 we had to spend uh, we had to borrow another 150,000 to um deal with some unexpected expenses that came from the city and all of these loans were taken out to keep the church afloat 
to deal with debt, to deal with issues, to make sure that we could sit here in this beautiful building and, and hold services and see people's lives changed by the power of God. But over time, this debt has continued to accumulate interest. And specifically, the $1.6 million loan and the $120,000 loan for the LED screen, those are the only two loans we've actually put money onto in the past many, many years. And now I'm not saying any of this to be like, ooh, you guys should be afraid, or oh, we need money, or if you don't give, the church is going to shut down. No, 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 that's not the point. The point is that I don't think it's, I think it's important that we share the good and the bad. The good things God is doing, but also the things we are struggling with. So as a church, we can unite together and pray into these things and see things changed. But overall, over the years, we have accumulated $2.4 million worth of debt. Now most of that is owed to our district office of the Alliance which is very fortunate because unlike a bank, they don't come after us and say, if you don't pay us, we're taking your building. Um, they're very forgiving. They've been very helpful. They're very lenient in allowing us to take time and paying down debt. But this is all money that we owe. And shortly after I became the lead pastor here, God spoke to me very clearly. He said to me, Darian, I want this church to be debt free. Because we are spending tens of thousands of dollars a year paying down interest, paying down loans, paying down all this kind of stuff. And God is saying, no, 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 that money is meant for my kingdom. That money is meant to bring people into transformative encounters with my presence. That money is not meant to pay down interest. So he said, I am calling you, this church gateway, to be debt-free. But that's just part one. See, if it was just being debt-free, that, that's great, because we actually do have a plan for dealing with the debt. If we throw up the next slide, um, our board has been working to sell a parcel of our land to the north. If you throw up the next one so we can show exactly what it is. So everything in red is the property that Gateway owns, and then the white outline is a parcel of land that we are looking to sell. And it's an arduous, difficult process as anything that has to go through the city is. Um, but if we sell this land, it should bring in between two and $2.6 million, which we'll use to pay down debt. And the land that we're looking to sell, a big parcel of it has sat unused for 20 years. It is literally a weed field out there. And then a part of it is the field, the side field that we've used for like youth events and kids events. And the plan is because that field isn't super safe, anyone can walk onto it while a kid, while we have kids programming. The plan is to move the field behind the church where it's a little bit more secure and safe for our kids. And before anything happens with this, it will go to a vote by the membership once we have offers and are able to sell. But, but this is the debt, and this is our plan to deal with the debt. But in the midst of all of this, God, last fall, he, he revealed something 
to us that I didn't expect. I wasn't, it wasn't on my radar. But through all the tables that we had at our vision casting night, God spoke to us and he said, yeah, you got a lot of debt, but I'm calling you to build. Calling you to build. See, again, we, we have this beautiful facility. But the reality of this facility is that it is, for, the, for a congregation of our size, it is small, it is tiny compared to what it should be to accommodate what we need to do. I was meeting with somebody from our district office and he said, yeah, your building's about half the size it should be. I'm like, wait, what? Are you kidding me? Like, we have a beautiful building. He's like, yeah, but at the size of church you are, you need more space. And the reality is that for 10 years, as long as I've been in this church, youth ministry, they've used the auditorium as a gym, which wears out the carpets and almost, almost, almost always almost destroys tech. Um, We've uh, had to be creative with our kids' ministry, um, and COVID helped deal with this a little bit, but it's starting to grow right back up to it, where we've had kids' programming run in the office, and we've had kids' programming running in tents outside behind the church that were then stolen, um, but that's neither here nor there. And, and, and we have groups and ministries that are using the building almost on a daily basis to the point that sometimes a group will be like, hey, I want to use, I want to have a group. I want it to be on a Thursday. I want to meet at the church. And Kat's like, uh, yeah, a Thursday? Pfft, okay. Because we're just, we're running out of space. And so we've had to creatively come up with solutions over the years to accommodate what God wants to call or is calling us to do. But God, as we go forward, he has called this church to be a center of prayer, of healing, and of deliverance. That we would bring people into encounters with his presence here. That people's lives would be changed, not just on a Sunday, but even during the week. That people would come and receive healing and prayer and deliverance in this building. And God has also called us to be a resource for our community. That we already partner with our community league, but to further that partnership. Because they don't have a building. So we give them free access, but it's really difficult to partner with them and give them access to our building when our building is constantly in use. And so in order to accomplish the vision and goals and mission that God has put on our hearts, we need to build a facility that facilitates encounters with God. So the plan is that we will build an expansion to the south of the building. If you throw up the next slide. This is a diagram approximate. It's not from an architect or anything. This is from Photoshop. Um, but we're going to build an expansion that will provide room for prayer rooms and meeting rooms to help facilitate our prayer team and our groups throughout the week. We will build new washrooms that are larger to deal with wait times, especially for the ladies. <laughs> many, many years ago, Drake told me the story of, he, there's a member in the church, passed away now, but, but he, he came to Drake and he's like, the woman's washroom needs to be bigger. And Drake's like, okay, that's great. He's like, we need to build a little expansion on the end of the woman's washroom. And Drake's like, do you, do you have millions of dollars to spend on it? And he's like, no, okay, well, that's not going to happen. But we're going to do that now. Come on. Build a commercial kitchen. 
there have been people in this church who've been begging for a commercial kitchen for years. But we're going to build a commercial kitchen to accommodate events and, and all kinds of things in our building. We'll build a half gym for our youth. <laughs> New kids' rooms and security measures for our kids' area to close it off from a Sunday. We'll build a nursing mom's room that isn't hidden in the back corner of the office, but is a part of a greater room for parents of young children. Build, uh, 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 update our exterior and landscaping. We want to put an orchard in behind the community garden for the benefit of our community. We want to make the building look like it's, it's nice, not painted 25 years ago. We want to put a pathway in across our property from where, where the city put a sidewalk to the edge of our property to the sidewalk up at the road to give easy access for people in our community. We want to do all of these things to build a facility that facilitates encounters with God. And, and really, like looking at this, you might be thinking, well, okay, that's all great. But do we really need this? Well, the reality is that right now, we are working creatively to make things work. But in five years' time, God is building this church. He is going to launch us into something that you do not expect. I don't even know what it looks like yet. I just know that I'm scared. Um, (laughs) But if we are to be ready for what God is going to do in this church, we need to build. Now, for those of you who are like me and are like, well, okay, that's great. This is a great vision. That's 9,176 square feet. Looks great on paper. What's that going to cost? Well, from conversations with various people who have experience in this and, and from pricing guides uh, that we found, it should cost between 2 and $3 million. Which I know, it's a lot of money. But this is what God is calling us to do. So God is calling us to be debt-free, which will cost $2.4 million. He's calling us to build, which will cost between two and $3 million. It really depends on what crazy things they find as they start the process. And he's calling us to be generous. See, just as we talk about in, in church circles, we talk about tithing, which is giving 10% of your income to God, the first 10%. We as a church, we want to be faithful as well in tithing from what God brings into our church and giving it back to mission, to support missions locally and globally. So we're going to be debt free, we're going to build, but we're also going to spend $600,000 supporting organizations like Hope Mission, Bissell Center, Boyle Street, missions across the globe so that people can encounter God both here in our church and in the greater city and across the world. You know, this past week I met with one of our missions partners and he was sharing with me an update about what's happening in Ukraine. And the reality is, God, even in the midst of war, revival is breaking out. And so we want to support that. We want to support more of what God is doing globally. And so this is our plan. We're calling it Believe and Build. 
And the goal is to raise $6 million. Now, again, if we throw up the next slide, um, we have approximately 2 to 2.6 that we should receive from the land sale. That will go immediately to fund this vision. But that does still mean that we are looking to raise between 3 and $4 million. I think my math is right. Yeah, my math is right. Between 3 and $4 million to fund what God is doing in our midst. Now, if you're like me, and you've never even seen a million dollars in your life, because I'm a pastor, it's okay, it's fine, that's what God's called me to do. Um, but if you're like me, and you're like, oof, that's a lot. That's a lot of money. Okay, yeah, for us, finite human beings, it's a lot of money. But for God, which the Bible says his streets of heaven are literally paved with gold, with God, who has infinite power and infinite wealth, this is nothing. See, the reality is when we seek God and we are obedient to him and what he calls us to do, he always provides. One of the key verses that God brought up when we were praying about this vision is Isaiah 54. In Isaiah 54, we find this prophecy. It says, Shout for joy, O barren one, who has borne no children. Burst into song and shout, you who have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate women will be more than the children of the one who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the sight of your tent, and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you will stretch out to the right and the left, and your descendants will dispossess nations and will settle desolate towns. Now this is a prophecy that God was giving to the children of Israel in a period of time where they really didn't have anything going for them. They, they had been conquered by an enemy nation. They were in um, isolation. They'd been deported out of their home and, and they really didn't have a lot going for them. And God uses this allegory of a woman who she's been married, but her husband is dead. She's wanted children, but none have come. And he says, I know. I know the pain you've been through. I know the problems you've endured. I'm dealing with all those things. But as you wait for the promise, you need to build a bigger tent. Because the tent you're in right now, it's not going to house all your children. It's enough for one. It's enough for you but it does not have space to accommodate what I'm about to do in your life. And I believe this is what God is saying to his church. Like, yeah, yeah, we've got a lot of things that are against us. We've got all kinds of things that are trying to hold us back. We've got debt trying to keep us down. But God is saying, will you trust me? Will you believe that I will do what I've said I will do, and will you build in faith before you see it, before you think we need it? Will you build in faith and prepare for the promise that is coming? See, this is the point of the service on a Vision Sunday where normally we turn up the lights, we put up buckets, and we say, give now. We're not going to do that. See, this is a big vision. 
This is a bold vision. God has called us to do something incredible. And I know it's going to take time for people to process. But a big belief of mine is that people should only do what God is calling them to do. And so instead of putting out buckets and being like, give now or pledge to give now or whatnot, what we're going to do is over the next three weeks, I want all of us to be committed to asking God, what is my contribution? See, I don't want to accept a penny that comes from somebody who did not, or who God didn't tell to give that penny. I don't want you to give any money if God says don't give money. But if, we, if God says give, then give. And so on April 2nd in three weeks, we're going to be holding our vision offering. But in the next three weeks, I want us all to commit to prayerfully considering what is my contribution. God, what are you calling me to give this year or to pledge to give this year? What are you calling me to give over the next five years or to pledge to give over the next five years? And then in three weeks' time, we'll come together and we'll joyfully give what God has called us to give. I know I've been praying about this for quite a while now and and God put a number on my heart that scares me, honestly. But the reality is that God is good. When we are obedient to Him, He will always provide. So if you're in agreement with me and you are willing to commit to praying over the next three weeks, if I can get you to stand with me now. And we're going to pray together. This isn't a, I'm standing because I'm going to give money or I'm standing because I'm going to pledge to give money. No, no, no. This is, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray for the church. I'm going to pray for this vision. I'm going to pray for what God is calling me to contribute. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you that Gateway is your church. I thank you that in the midst of stress and turmoil and struggles and problems in our lives, that this is your church. And you said that your church, that the gates of hell cannot stand against it. So Lord, I thank you for this vision you've laid on our hearts. I thank you for what you are calling us to do and to accomplish. And I thank you, God, that you are good and that you will fulfill what you promised to do. God, I just pray that as we all go out and we prayerfully consider what you are calling us to give or to do, God, I just pray that you will speak to us so clearly. That as we pray that our own voice, our own mind, any outside influences, that those will all be banished and we will hear your voice clearly. And that as we work forward, go forward in, in following you and obeying you and believing in you and building God, that you will do what only you can do in this church. Pray this all in your